I will never fucking forget having like a work meeting with him. And he was like, the only people who'd want to have sex with a pregnant person is a pedophile. And I was like, whoa, dude. Thank you for joining us for another episode of On the Horizon, a podcast about what's on the horizon for sex workers and how to navigate it. I'm Jesse Sage, and you can find me on Twitter at sapiotextual and at jessiesage.com. And I'm Melrose Michaels, and you can find me at Melrose Michaels on social and melrosemichaels.com. Just a reminder, if you are enjoying the podcast on Apple, please leave us a five-star rating and review because it really helps us to grow as a podcast and better share information from our guests to the sex work community as a whole. Last but not least, if you want to support the podcast, please go to anchor.fm forward slash horizon spelled W-H-O-R-I-Z-O-N to become a premium subscriber of On the Horizon, which unlocks two bonus episodes on the 8th and 22nd of each month with tons of extra exclusive footage from ourselves and our guests. Today's episode is sponsored by ePlay, an adult live streaming platform creating an online ecosystem for creators to engage with their fans that's easy, exciting, and empowering. At ePlay, you earn 80% of revenue on everything from live streaming to private messages with your fans to your sub-club membership fan site. ePlay even allows you to earn money while you sleep with offline tips. Do what makes you excited, take control of your business, content, voice, and freedom. As a creator, consider joining ePlay today. Sex workers can teach you about parenting. parenting. This was a funny one for me because I'm not a parent. <laughs> so while I'm a little quieter on this episode, I still think all the points that come across are going to resonate because even the stuff mm-hmm. that the guests were talking about with you, it really hit home for me as well. So yeah. I'm excited about this episode. So for those of you that don't know me, I'm a mommy. <laughs> Yeah. I have three kids. And so and I've never been a sex worker without being a mom. Like I've been momming for a long time. So like, my whole experience as a sex worker has been like wrapped up in also like, doing that as a dual role with kids. And interestingly, um, all three of our guests, that was also their experience. Yeah, like, so, um, cool lens. yeah, so we had on Phoenix Kalita, who is a former sex worker and executive or on the board of directors at Swap USA. Um, we had Juniper Fitzgerald, who is a current academic and uh, former, mostly former sex worker, I think, and Jet Setting Jasmine, who with uh, her partner, King Noir, who came on last season talking about racism. Um, They are both sex workers, porn performers, and they have their fourth child coming. Yeah, she was pregnant, um, which is, she is pregnant, um, which is very exciting. So we um, talked to them about that. Um, They all talked a lot about, um, a lot about consent, actually, going back to the first chapter that like, One, one of the main themes that came out was that sex workers are really good at teaching consent to their kids in ways that a lot of civilians Yeah, there were some common threads amongst the interviews. There was consent, there was empathy, there was uh, mm-hmm. vulnerability, and there's there was just a, a couple strings that kept getting pulled. But some standouts, too, for Juniper, for example, like they wrote a children's book about yeah. having a sex working mother. Like mm-hmm. hearing that story and also all the other stories that they shared, you're, you don't want to miss Juniper's interview. Yeah. Like it's the... the, the um, she 
they need a Netflix series. Like it's so good. And then with Jet Setting Jasmine, the fact that they have a sex positive parenting Instagram and that they're putting yeah. out information on how to kind of navigate a hard conversation um, with with children as a sex working parent, like that's really cool. Well, the other thing that Jasmine said that was really great is that her oldest daughter runs yes. a group of it's called Dope. Yeah, yeah, daughters of porn performers. Yes, or yes. Some, something, yeah, well, yeah, something like that. Daughters of something like porn that. entertainers or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So like her daughter, um, who doesn't seem like she's a sex worker, but she runs a group for kids that have grown up with sex workers yeah. or with porn performers, and so. That was very cool. Yeah, it's nice to always get um, be made aware of like adjacent, you know, sex work industry kind of components. Mm-hmm. So like, although ja- Jasmine's daughter isn't in sex work, they're doing this great work in another area that positively impacts the sex work community, helps yeah. people outside of sex work going through this experience. Like that was really interesting. So really cool. And Phoenix like was. <laughs> Uh, we had seen Phoenix on last yes, season. Yes, we do two, have but... and Juniper. Yeah. So that was really cool. You get to see them also in the same episode, which is really fun. Just a coincidence, but yeah, yeah it was neat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then talking about raising children as a sex working mom, and like that kind of is what brought her them into sex work, yeah. which was really interesting too because that's a lot of people's shared experience yeah a lot of people it's not yeah. you can't you don't raise families on you know regular wage jobs especially no. if you're like 18 yeah. and like trying to navigate medical bills and all of these very right. adult things you know yeah, yeah. so you want to listen to that the parents especially want to listen to that but I think everybody does because yes. it's um sex workers have families and sex workers have lives that are outside of our work and so um, I think that bringing them together paints a very full picture of like what it looks like Absolutely. to be a sex worker. Absolutely. Yeah. So stay tuned. Listen to all interviews. You're going to love this episode. <laughs> it's probably one of my favorites from the season. Um, and I'm not a parent. So yeah. I know that people listening are going to get a lot out of this. So uh, what sex workers can teach you about parenting. Juniper Fitzgerald is first and foremost a mother. She's written extensively on her intersection of motherhood and sex work and considers herself an anti-capitalist. She holds a PhD, but please don't hold that against her. Welcome, Juniper. We're happy to have you back on the show. Yes. You're our first guest that we get to say welcome back to the horizon. Yeah, which is funny because you're also like a repeat for peep show too for my other thing. So yeah. I just like bring you on to talk about all the when fun stuff. When you get a good guest, you just you just keep reeling them back in. <laughs> Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. You're welcome. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Juniper Fitzgerald. I am the author of the first and I believe only children's book with a sex working parent. It's called How Mamas Love Their Babies. Um, I have a forthcoming auto theory, Enjoy Me Among My Ruins, also by Feminist Press. I'm a mother um, and I hold a PhD in sociology. Um, Yeah. That's, That's me in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what was it like? Let me, let's start with this. So we have you on today to talk about parenting, mm-hmm. sex work and parenting. And as the author of the only children's book about that features a sex worker, can you tell us a little bit about like what made you want to write that book and yeah. what the reception of it has been? Okay, sure. Yeah. I, you know, I started writing this book, um, this children's book, which will blow your mind because it's like a really simple little children's book, but I did work on it for years, which is just really wild. Uh, because like each <laughs> it's great, though. Five words. Um, but, you know, I, st- I started working on it when I was pregnant um, because I, so I will never forget working. I was doing some work for um, a brothel. I wasn't um, 
doing sex work for this brothel. I was doing some writing um, stuff for this brothel. And after I got pregnant, I was like, dude, this could be, I was talking to my boss at the brothel in Nevada. I'm like, this could be like a hot market. Like I could be your only pregnant sex worker. You should hire me mm-hmm. you know, to work at the brothel. And um, he, I will never fucking forget having like a work meeting with him and he was like, the only people who'd want to have sex with a pregnant person is a pedophile. And wow. I was like, whoa, dude, like <laughs> I have, I'm having sex with my partner. Right. <laughs> you know? He's and, not a pedophile. <laughs> right. And, yeah. um, and just this kind of understanding of a pregnant person's body as like something that should never enter like commercial sex spaces. Mm-hmm. Um. And so that was the first time that I was like, damn, we need some better representation. Yeah. Um, also this parents. like weird idea that like having sex with a present pregnant person is having sex with the baby or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Is like, very odd. Do you think we're supposed to like, you just think we're not going to have sex the entire time we're pregnant. Like <laughs> It's like almost a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With what like a whole flood of hormones. You're like so hormonal and yeah. 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 Just the idea that your body is not your own. Like right. once you're a mother, you are only a mother. You are nothing else to anyone else. Like that's just, it's so mind blowing to me. That experience yes. is incre- it mind blowing to me. And like, you can't still have agency in the sex industry. Cause I was working in the sex industry in various um, different areas, even mm-hmm. as I was doing writing projects for this brothel. Um, so just even the idea that like you, you no longer have the ability to, decide to consent to sex work now that you have a pregnant body was Mm -hmm. mind-blowing to me and then after um uh it was just a few my baby was let's see maybe a year still breastfeeding yeah I think they were about a year um they were still breastfeeding and I went to San Francisco to make a a porn Mm -hmm. and all of the um laws around like where I could breastfeed. Like, so I would, I was actually behind the camera of the, of the porn and like filming all of the things that bodies do during yeah. the shoot. And like, then having to go to a separate room in order to relieve like my body of what it needed to do. Like, Jesse, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but like, if you don't breastfeed for a while, your boobs start to like leak. Hurt. You know, yeah. And it was just so I think those two experiences, um, working in the sex industry and being a parent were the impetus for that book. And so for just years, I was mulling around these ideas of like how to represent um, this labor as another form of work. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I think I definitely don't want to say that sex work is exactly like other forms of work. We yeah. know that. It's yeah. not true. It's it's different. All, I mean, all forms of labor are different. Right. Um, and the response is what you would expect. On the far mm-hmm. end of things, I've had people um, – God, there was this one email. I wish I had saved it. That was like, you are de facto a witch. Like, it went through all of these different, <laughs> like, you're – like, Accusations of like eating children in the basement of Comet Pizza with Hillary Clinton and like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. like literally, and then the last, literally the last line, it was kind of poetic, but the last <laughs> line was like, de facto, you're a witch. I'm like, okay. 
that's like the far end of QAnon conspiracy theory, like um, ding donginess. Um, and then on the other end, I just got this review on Amazon actually from this woman who's like, I'm a feminist and I'm like all into labor rights and blah, blah, blah. But this book is just too much. Wow. <laughs> it's not even like explicit like explicit in any way it's just like some moms wear pleasers and dance at work yep it's just too much um so i think that obviously the ding-dongs um with the QAnon conspiracy theories don't bother me like that's just kind of hilarious to me it's the people who are self-proclaimed like labor rights activists who somehow yeah. don't think that the labor rights activism of our movement is part yeah. of that. Yeah. Right. Um, and these are the people who understand the benefit of representation. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it reminds me of that. Um, Terry Gross did a segment years and years ago about uh, like sex working parents, I think. Mm-hmm. And she gave a, a warning to parents before the show went on. She was like, just a warning. If you have parents or if you have parents, if you have children, (laughs) um, you might want to ask them to leave the room. And sex workers were like, dude, yeah, our kids, like our kids know about our labor to some degree. I mean, Mm -hmm. age appropriate knowledge of our labor, which is important. Yeah. Because we're not going to teach our children to perpetuate the stigma against us. Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking, I was talking to somebody about this recently and I was saying that like, my kids know that I'm a sex worker. I have never, ever told them on purpose, like not to tell anyone, even though there are people who I would like not to know that, mm. but like, I very intentionally didn't want to do that. Cause I didn't want to give them this message that like, they should be ashamed of something Yeah, <laughs> that like, right. that they should be ashamed of what I do, that they need to keep a secret for me. Like that yeah. feels that's very shrouded mm-hmm. in like um, shame, shame. Yeah. Yeah. That I was. And then I was also thinking like, if they have any like issues with it, I want them to be able to like, I don't want to give them this idea. Like I can't tell my therapist that, yeah. you know, I have a feeling about this or whatever. Um, but, but I had to actually consciously think about that, you know, yeah. like, and make that decision. And yeah. like other people don't have to make that decision in the same way. Yeah. And I think I understand what you're saying too, because it's different when you get like harsh criticism or like nonsense from a group of people that aren't your peers. But when you're talking to someone who is educated and understands labor rights and should be a peer to some degree on that mission and on that challenge, that's kind of like, why are you hindering this movement when we're in this together, like we should be unified on this. So I understand why that would be like, ah, that one is disappointing. Like that one mm-hmm. hurts. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that I feel like is coming up is that like part of the, part of the issue is that there's this, like, obviously there's always like sex work stigma, but particular sex work stigma against sex working moms. Mm-hmm. And that there's oh, something yeah. like wrong with you if you're a mother who's also doing sex work and that it's somehow like harmful to your children. So like, um, what do you think it is about sex work that's like helped you be a, do you feel like there's something that's helped you be a better mother? Like what have you learned about um, parenting from sex work or vice versa? That is such a, an amazing question. So I'll use this um, anecdote to start um, 
at the answer to that question. Yeah. So, okay. So I live in Nebraska. You know, Nebraska mm-hmm. is Nebraska. Most listeners probably don't even know where Nebraska is, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, we're a really like. <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> we're we're Nebraska. We're probably everything you think of when you think of Nebraska. Um, cornfields. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Sometimes we get warnings about the corn being high. Like literally we'll get warnings. That's like, the corn is really high. You better watch out. Um, (laughs) What happens if the corn gets high? You can't see. You can't see. You can't see. I actually had the most Nebraska funeral announcement ever a few years ago. It was like, you know, directions to the funeral. And then it was like, the corn is really high. So look out and we will be burying um, Mr. Iker in a bright red casket for the Huskers. So come dressed in all red. And <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's what, you know, it's funny is that uh, my career, my first stage name, my locate, like my persona was based in Nebraska and oh. I would always get people. I've never been. <laughs> to my chat and be like so did you see the football game or did you get the corn warning and I was like is that the only two things that happen in Nebraska <laughs> so I'm That's a little more hilarious <laughs> or they were like did you get the tornado yeah tornadoes corn and football that's basically mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so in any case okay I gotta hear more about this persona though because um, that is so funny but um we you know I'm so my co-parent and I are, as you would assume, kind of um, not your tr- typical Nebraskan. Um, and uh, our kid came home, well, came to my house the other day and was like, you know, one of my friends at school said that um, if you take uh, a shower with somebody, that's sex. And like, I take a shower with my kid all the time. So this was really confusing mm-hmm. for them. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, <laughs> let's have a conversation about this. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think that um, just this kind of cultural anxiety around sex in general mm-hmm. um, is something that has been really illuminated for me working in the sex industry, which I think allows for me to have really open and honest conversations about bodies and consent with my child. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that's one way that the sex industry, I mean, it always feels weird for me to speak glowingly about the sex industry because my experiences haven't been like, Oh, I love it. Um, (laughs) And other people have, and that's fine. Uh, Just not my experience. And, um, but I will say that, that the, the positive, things that I have learned from the industry have helped me have those conversations with my kid. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I have to say that their stigma is deadly. Mm-hmm. Um, 100%. I am definitely, and also I am definitely in this position, you know, pushing 40 where I have been, I have felt on the margins of society for so long that like, I give no fucks anymore. You know, yeah. it's like I, my kid can come. I think if I hadn't, had the experiences in the sex industry, my kid coming home and saying that would have been super triggering. And like, I would have mm-hmm. felt like I did something wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Oh my God, should I not be showering with my kid? Should I like not be naked around my kid? Is that bad and harmful? And it's like, fuck that. No, this is, <laughs> this is society's discomfort with, right. with um, bodies, with bodies, with sex, um, with women, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I mean, it's all, all the things. So, um, 
Yeah, I think hopefully we don't live in Nebraska our whole lives or it's going to be really challenging for my kid. But I do hope that I'm giving my kid tools to uh, to navigate some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good answer. And like I've I've found that, too, and especially since I have like older kids as they become older, I think the fact that I feel like the fact that they know what I do means that they also like come to me with their questions, like in a way that like I don't see with. You traditional know, family structures. Yeah, yeah. Right. I wonder, cause that's like being able to communicate and like speak openly to your kids and to your family and to peers because you have a sex work background and you're fluent in these kinds of conversations. Is there something that parenting's taught you for that's useful in your sex work or anything that's like on the flip side of that? Um, people that I interface with in the sex industry, like clients, again, at this stage in my life. I'm just like, Oh, you're annoying. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, I think, okay, let's go this way with that question. Um, my, the, the love, um, and support that other sex workers show my child mm-hmm. and the way that my child has, um, already an understanding that, um, you know, auntie Allie and mm-hmm. all of these aunties, um, do a special kind of work and they love my child so much. And, mm-hmm. you know, when, whenever, um, sex workers in my kind of orbit make a shit ton of money, the first thing they do is send my kid like gigantic, ridiculous stuffed animals and shit like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think, um, part of being a parent has taught me to just really appreciate my community of sex workers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's how it's, how parenting has shaped my uh, relationship to the sex industry. You know, I even, God, this is so cool. And again, I think some parents would be like, Ooh, cringe, but you know what? Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> my, one of my besties, Allie Awesome. Um, she uh, was at ABN one year and, um, and I was showing my child pictures of of her on the red carpet. I'm like, look at your aunt Allie. I mean, I used yeah. <laughs> um, and my kid was like, oh my god, she looks like a princess. Aww. I'm like, I know, right? I'm <laughs> just telling that story, you know. So I think what parenting has helped me see is like, I don't have to be ashamed of my community. I yeah. can like celebrate the women yeah. in my community that are engaging in sex work. I get to celebrate myself. I mm-hmm. get, I get to give no fucks. And now that I'm at that place in my life, I also get to give back to, or attempt to give back to folks who don't have the privilege of giving no fucks. I mean, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. I found that too. And I think it's been like one of the biggest gifts for me, like to my kids has been like the sex work community because my kids are like surrounded with sex workers and they've like grown up with that. And they, it was the sex workers. Like when PJ was really sick, it was sex workers who showed up at my house and took care of my kids so that I could take PJ to the hospital and mm-hmm. they cleaned the house and they like yeah. did all of the things. And we had, I think a couple of months worth of like different sex workers, just kind of couch- living on our couch and like hanging out and shuffling them around. And like, I think that, um, you know, and as they got older, they would be like, um, they would recognize, like, especially from our show, like, one time I remember my oldest one was like, wait, so so-and-so is so-and-so? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, cool. Okay. You know? <laughs> or like, my kids' high school um, was it just from, like, you know, the 
pictures from the peep show episodes or whatever, yeah. you know, but then I also remember like um, my kids high school is right next to a strip club and they'd be like, oh, so like she works at the place next to my school. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, she does. And I'm like, Okay, cool. That's so awesome. <laughs> you know, but there's like a, a very like openness because like these are people who have been like so supportive of the kids yeah. and have like been there for them. And, um, you know, and I, you know, the nice thing is that like raising kids like that is like, they're not going to go into the world and think that like sex workers are terrible, yeah. Yeah. Or, like not deserving right. respect because those are the people that they were brought were up around. Brought yeah. up around. Yeah. That's amazing. Do you think there's anything that we didn't ask you about that you that like that you've been thinking about a lot regarding like parenting and sex work? You know, I, yeah. So maybe one more thing we could talk about is um, just the way that other parents interface with me, knowing mm, my yeah. background. I wrote a piece a while ago about um, the, this mom, this other mom is kind of drunk, I think, and asking me about like, why do you, cause I'm an academic and I do do work around harm reduction and mm-hmm. um, uh, labor rights in the sex industry, et cetera. And she's like, why are you interested in these things? And I was like, seriously, like, do you not have Google? But um, (laughs) because I worked in the sex industry for a very long time, I still occasionally dabble in some stuff. And um, I used to use a lot of drugs. (laughs) And like, you know, man, she got real uncomfortable Um, and even said something about like, oh, did you just like it was it was something really weird about like would I ever fuck her husband essentially? Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, that would have to be a conversation between all three of us. Like, do you <laughs> consent? Like, do you, like, if, I, I think the idea is that sex workers just go around fucking everyone and everything. Yeah. yeah. There's mm-hmm. no like conversation about consent. Um, so that I think is a really big challenge for me as a mom yeah. is interfacing with other parents um, that don't have the same experiences and the kind of stigma that they have around the hypersexuality of sex workers. And again, this is because mm-hmm. most people think of sex work as a sexuality rather than work. Yeah. Right, and, right. Um, and I think for some people, it does feel like a sexuality. That's certainly not my experience ever with the sex industry. Um, it's always just been labor and mm-hmm. like, God, this idea that I would even, that your husband would even be good enough for me. Like, yeah. <laughs> where can people find you and mm-hmm. your, your book? When's your book coming out? Um, it was supposed to come out in July and there's a paper shortage, uh, which oh. I didn't know. Huh. So now it's coming out in August, August 30th. Okay. okay. It's called Enjoy Me Among My Ruins. It's um, that's a quote from Lolita that I have kind of turned on its head, which you can read about in my book. Um, I'm so excited. I'm excited too. (laughs) Thanks. I'm excited. I know. I really love the title. And there's um, like a bunch of bugs on the on the cover of the book. So I'm going to get a tattoo of like cockroaches and stuff. I'm just really... <laughs> I love it. That's so, great. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Juniper Fitz and you can buy my books on Feminist Press's website. Awesome. Nice. Thank you so much for joining us again. Yes. Thanks for coming thanks back. Thanks for on. having me. I love it. Every time. 
This episode of On the Horizon is sponsored by DMCA Force. DMCA Force is the authorized DMC agent for the largest online creators and the platforms that they monetize. DMCA Force protects models, musicians, writers, videographers, artists, and tons of other creatives publishing their works online. With DMCA Force, you get 24-7 automated monitoring, flagging, and removal of stolen and pirated content. They use metadata and keywords relating to your work in collaboration with search engines to remove even the 10 to 15% of content on ghost sites that can't typically be scrubbed from the internet. They even offer the ability to fingerprint content and digitally watermark it as an added layer of security to protect the art you work so hard creating. Join DMCA Force today. Phoenix Kalita is a former sex worker turned public speaker, podcast creator, and host. Her lived experience in survival and street-based sex work as an Afro-queer Latina and survivor of sexual violence and police brutality has molded her into an outspoken advocate for anti-racism, income inequality, and sex worker rights. As a woman of color with chronic illness and mental health issues, she is a passionate voice for mental health visibility, access to care, and speaking truth to gender and racial bias within healthcare frameworks. Welcome, Phoenix. We are happy to have you back on season two. Yes. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Can you reintroduce yourself for the people who maybe missed you the first go around? Yes. So I am Phoenix. Um, I actually work with Swap USA and um, I got involved in sex worker activism because I did sex work. I started um, when I was relatively young, um, Mm -hmm. mostly due to financial considerations and um, just kind of have been in and out ever since and have gotten involved with different types of advocacy and activism as far as pushing for sex worker rights and decrim ever since. So here I am. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And doing doing good work. This episode is on parenting. So obviously, like one of the reasons that we had you on is because not only do you have a history in sex work, but you are also a parent. (laughs) Do you want to talk a little bit about like how what that experience was like for you or how those things impacted each other? Uh, Well, they are actually very closely related because having children is the reason I got into sex work. Um, So my oldest son, when he was born, had a lot of health problems and as you know, anyone who lives in America knows, like we have like the shittiest healthcare system, yeah. humanly. So bad. <laughs> and so yeah. um, basically I had to cover a lot of medical bills, but I was, you know, I had him when I was young. And so um, he kept having to have uh, surgeries. He was born with like a kidney malformation, essentially. Oh, wow. Um, wow. And so he was like having surgeries until he was like into his toddler years. And so I'm over here and I was like 18 and I have, you know, 18, 19. And I've got like this toddler and who just keeps going in for surgery and I was like well I can't afford these copays and these medications right then he had asthma and um at the time his insurance wouldn't cover a nebulizer so I actually had to like rent a nebulizer by the day because I couldn't like get enough money together to buy one it was just like and of course like you know at this time like fucking like 19 I worked at like IHOP or Denny's or you know something I was like paying the fucking bills (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that's like barely getting you to like work and back Yeah. yeah Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, let's find out something else to do uh, in terms of making money. And so like, that's how I actually got started doing sex work altogether. So, yeah. Yeah. So those things are closely interwoven for you. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's so um, common and, and not just, and that's like, it's interesting to me. I was talking to somebody else about this recently because um, I didn't start doing sex work when my kids were really little, but I did start doing sex work in part because like later, because um, my kids had a lot of needs that I didn't, I couldn't like hold a full-time job down and like Mm -hmm. take care of them at the same 
time and there was all kinds of like conflict around that. So um, I feel like it's it's interesting because there's this like stigma against like sex working moms that they're like, you know, mm-hmm. that those things are totally incompatible. But actually, when you get down to it, a lot of mo- like parents are like doing sex work in order to be good parents to their kids. Yeah. 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 I think that's, you know, one of those like conversations that we really have to keep drilling under this whole like capitalism and the, the society that we live in, then it's like, okay, but we don't have social safety nets. So you really do have yes. to be able to support yourself. And if you don't like, you know, it's not hyperbolic, like you're going to die. Like you're right. going to homeless. Like you won't have food. You won't have medicine. You're just going to die, you know, right. on a somewhere. And like, I think that that's a very um, sort of abstract thought to a lot of people who haven't been necessarily um, on the brink of homelessness or haven't struggled with housing or haven't really like been in poverty. But, you know, when you're living that, you're like, how the fuck do I get out of this? I'm trying to right. eat tonight. I'm trying to have some type of housing tonight, you know, and mm-hmm. yeah, always that like, you know, um, not just a, like, not just a drive, but also like very much a very real desperation of like, okay, if right. I don't, you know, get this money together today, then this is it. Like I have to yeah. sleep outside tonight. And that's, you know, right. don't talk about that and how, you know, I mean, in sex work in general too. Right. Cause it's like so many, obviously we're talking mostly about parenthood, but right. like, so many other things, like so many sex workers I know, even if they aren't like strictly speaking, parents are caregivers to other people yeah. or need yeah. caregivers on a certain level for themselves because they have, you know, like disabilities or health issues. And it's just, you know, not having a society that has those um, social safety nets, like really has us here. It's like, okay, well, you got to do something. How are we surviving today? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. Those especially people- like, like you said, especially in this culture where like our, we don't have safety nets. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the conversation around how, it's it's like you brought it up earlier where it's like oh well if you're a sex working mother you're kind of you're a bad mother you're putting your kid in all all these yeah. situations it's like well you'd prefer that we sleep on the street and be in that situation than me doing <laughs> right. something consensual to earn enough money to be a good mom and put my kid in a good school right. or do you know all of these other things it's a, such a disconnect and i don't understand why that's not logical that's a very logical <laughs> line of thinking like we do this or this. Yeah. Well, even more logical because so many people are um, upset about sex work because they see it as being like a morality issue and yeah, right. to say mm-hmm. this is the world we live in issue. Yeah. Um, but even that like uh, is even more illogical to me because they would still rather complain that people do sex work than just pay living wages. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. How are you going to talk about like someone who works at McDonald's doesn't deserve to pay their rent and then be like, why are these girls out here in these streets? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm curious. So in terms of just being a parent, because obviously I'm not a parent, but with like your experiences raising children and being a caretaker, essentially as a mom, like what skill set do you feel from being a sex worker that you've you know, kind of honed in has helped you be a better parent? Um, I think that there is a lot of them. And, you know, honestly, it sounds silly, but um, just having such a wide range of experiences by virtue of doing sex work, Mm-hmm. I think is actually um, really sort of like a great experience builder because it's kind of hard to get phased by things. And I've yeah. a lot of times things that like phase other parents. I'm like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's <laughs> not a big deal. Yeah. You know, like if you've done sex work, odds are you've seen some shit, you've heard some shit. And it doesn't necessarily mean um, even necessarily like uh, like bad or traumatic, but just you've seen such a wide range of people who are coming mm-hmm. to you to try to fulfill such a wide range of desires. You just sort of, um, I think, become overall better at dealing with people and interacting with people. And I think that's really great yeah. with kids, especially when they're young, because 
you know, kids are still not only developing personalities, but also developing um, like vocabulary and things like that. And they may just mm-hmm. not necessarily have um, the bandwidth to explain things. Right. Because this is why people are always like, this is why you have to beat kids. Right. Because they don't listen. And it's like mm. or they're like six and they don't know how to adequately explain all the feelings that they're having. And they right. Just, right. Like, yeah. And so, like, I feel like in that way, um, having experience in sex work has been really helpful because it's like, OK, so now you already have these sort of this is how you talk to people. This is how you right. interact with people, but like a huge range of people. So you have, um, I guess, more to go off of. of that. Like, yeah, it's them. interesting. I hear like what, what I hear you saying, and I totally agree with this, is that like or I guess I'm interpreting what you're saying as like a lot of times like clients will come to us and for because of reasons of shame or upbringing or whatever, like they're not super straightforward about like what they're coming for. And you have to be like, okay, what is it that you want? (laughs) What is it that you need? What are you trying to say? It's like you're translating from them. Yeah. What can I do for you? But like, that's what you have to do for like young children children who like also don't have, like you said, the vocabulary or like the emotional awareness or whatever to be able to express to you. And so once you get kind of, I remember like a point in my like sex work career where like at the beginning I was like, what do these people want? And then later I was like, Oh, I know what you want. Like (laughs) (laughs) like, I I got it. Um, And there's this like, point of time in which you're like you become like adept at reading between the lines Um, and for clients it's different because clients are like wading through like bullshit norms um and shame and trying to get around that but kids just don't like don't necessarily have that yet have that ability to like do that yet but if we've like started to hone like our ability to meet people's needs (laughs) That should translate, right? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that like that's a super um, huge important skill set. And also um, just again with being around a wide variety of people, it makes things seem like less scary because I think mm-hmm. like stigma is a really big factor um, in terms of, uh, well, I mean, honestly, both in raising children and with <laughs> sex work where yeah. like you don't want to have the one kid who's like always acting up in class because then it's like, what, what, are you, what are you teaching them at home? You know, <laughs> yeah, always yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, automatic sort of accusatory thing and there's also this thing about sex work where it's like well what kind of person are you if you do that you know yeah but mm-hmm. um, there's also the stigma of just being a working mom in general like I hear that constantly like oh you're not at home like making food three times a day for your kids like how can you hold the job and be a good mom like what what <laughs> again well <laughs> what did you say about McDonald's workers and living wages <laughs> <laughs> you know? everyone's working like eight fucking jobs and you know a hundred hours a day but um no there really is that stigma and of course you know i'm never going to embrace stigma or say that it's like a good thing for sex workers to be stigmatized right that also um does create an ability for like compassion and empathy Mm -hmm. um especially when dealing with children who you know because i i think with kids there's a very big um urge to please adults around them yeah for a lot of kids they internalize like if you tell me i did something bad maybe that means that i'm bad and mm-hmm. you know and um that sort of thing and i think like sex workers also have a little bit um a little bit easier time finding empathy to and the patience to deal you know with these sort of things when it comes mm-hmm. to child rearing just because of the like between the stigma that clients face uh stigma that sex workers face you yeah. know and trying to wade through all that i think yeah like it really sort of doing sex work really does help you um i don't know i guess like create like uh, a very unique skill set 
Yeah. It's interesting. I was thinking about this as you guys were talking, like the other day, my, there's something about living under stigma and being on like the margins of, of the economy of the society that we live in that like makes it, that that becomes like a habit in a way of being that like is less stressful to us. And like my daughter the other day was like brought her relatively new boyfriend to my birthday dinner. And she was like, he was afraid to come because like other family members besides just me were going to be there. Um, He was a little bit afraid to come because he thought that the family might not like him because he's autistic. And I was, and she said she almost laughed when he said that. And she was like, this family's a band of misfits. Like (laughs) (laughs) there's no way that they're not going to like you because you're autistic. And I thought that that was like interesting that like he would have that fear because like his perception of like, what is this like, family going to be my daughter was like that is not what this family yeah. is like <laughs> everyone can come in like, that's from funny. wherever yeah. they are my uh, yeah. my cousin is trans and brought a trans person home for they think it was thanksgiving or some holiday gathering and they were really nervous too i'm like i'm a op- open sex worker my <laughs> grandma's like legally pronounced insane like you're in good company here like you don't have to worry about that <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but you know what uh, really resonated when you had mentioned like the concept of when we tell kids like they're being bad that they they internalize it as like, I'm bad. Mm-hmm. That always stood out to me because like when I hear kids or parents tell their kids like you're being a bad boy or you're being a bad girl, I'm like, no, you're making a bad choice. Or you're like that, that difference because mm-hmm. when you're a kid, like especially growing up, you know, socialized as a small female, it's like, oh, be quiet. You're being too loud. And I said this in another interview too. So you like, you start to make yourself small to please these people around you that you admire. And like, mm-hmm. when you're a child, you think the adults around you are gods. Like you just, you really <laughs> believe that. Then you grow up and you're like, mm. but, <laughs> but like that pleasing that, that changes who you become. Like that's very mm-hmm. much what kind of gets built into development. So I could totally see that point that really resonates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, yeah, more sex workers uh, doing uh, parental roles in daycare. Fewer kinksters in the future. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> the odds are pretty fucking high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's really that that is interesting because also like a lot of the um uh, people are dealing with a lot of like taboos around like sexuality and like grow. I feel like growing up around like a lot of sex workers, like a lot of those taboos are like lifted. Mm. Well, there's also what's going on right now with like, is it Texas or like don't say gay and all of these things. Texas, Colorado, Idaho, Tennessee, like they're all fucking well. Mm, yeah. Wyoming, I think just dis- like the university said that they wouldn't um, fund, you know, like the, I guess the state said that they wouldn't fund public universities that had gender and sexuality studies programs. Yeah. So they're dismantling all of the GSWS programs. It's like all the hard work that's been done that yep. it's get uh, it's just getting undone. It's insane. But even because there's the trans thing too with that, I think that's Texas yeah, as well. Of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's such a disservice because you're 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 telling children at a young age that like they don't belong and that there's no place for them and no space yep. for them to explore these things. Um, I don't know. That's so hard. Yeah, it is. And really the way that they're doing it too is just wild to me because they keep pretending that it's um, like not some weird religious conservative shit. It is though. Like, cause there's a reason for this. Like, yeah. 
How did you talk to your kids about like, were you pretty open with your kids about like your work history or was that something like, how did you deal with that within your family with your kids? Um, the oldest ones know the youngest one. I'm sure he knows, but we haven't really talked about it. Talked mm-hmm. about it. Um, yeah, but no, the oldest ones know. And they, um, I mean, the general consensus is like, it's still like, mom, don't talk to me about that. I don't want to know. That vibe. But, um, you know, definitely the awareness that like, okay, but, you know, still mom, still a person, still someone that we love. And hopefully like that's the part that's like transferring out to be like, oh, okay, sex workers are actually good people. You know, like Mm -hmm. I feel like a broken record because I swear to God, I say this like at least once in every interview I've ever done. Sex workers are really multifaceted people. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine that, like yeah. whole people. <laughs> Complicated humans. You know, and yeah. you know, I think that there is something about uh, knowing that your parent has uh, done sex work because it really does. You know what I mean? Because like, I don't know if anyone, and not like, okay, see, I said I was a bad Leo. Now I'm going to be a good Leo. Okay. <laughs> so if people like follow me on social media or whatever. But well, um, I mean, people do follow you on social media. <laughs> I'm people. You, you can claim it. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm, try- I'm trying to be a good Leo. Okay. Um, but, but like, yeah, I talk about politics and sex work and stuff like that too. But I also talk about like, I love gardening. I just ordered a bunch mm-hmm. of seeds and I'm getting a greenhouse this summer and I love making soup and I love yeah. crocheting and all those things. And, you know, but it's wild because people will always see those type of posts and then see like a sex worker post like, wait, you did that too? And it's like, do, like, do you think sex workers don't eat? Like, do you think they don't? <laughs> like, what do you think they do when they go home? Like, they don't have hobbies? Like, they just... Right. They don't watch TV. They don't... Uh, right. Yeah. I had a client recently who, like found out that I was married. Um, and I say found out because I'm so clearly not a secret. Um, I was like, how did you not know this? The first 10 times we got together, I wear my wedding ring. Like, okay. Um, (laughs) so he, he found out and, um, he was like, I didn't think that people like you got married. Oh, what does that even mean? <laughs> it's like people like me like live, to serve, live in obviously. a bubble. Like, I don't know what kind of bubble. They like like people, people, or like I don't know. What <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I was like, oh, my response to that was, I was pretty sure you were married, and he was like, oh, I, I am. <laughs> Your people do. <laughs> What's the problem here? <laughs> so, okay, right. Yeah. We're kind of back on the same page, even though. You're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, good. We're, we're all good here. <laughs> but, you know, I think that that um, does sort of like, uh, you know, create sort of an opportunity for compassion with kids, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. kids don't only see you as like, oh, just a sex worker. Your mom has an OnlyFans or your mom has a video on Pornhub or something, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. But they're like, no, but that's my mom who, you know, bakes my birthday cakes and, yeah. you know, put Band-Aids on when I would, you know, scrape my knee and, you know, would sit up, would look for monsters under my bed and, you know, all these other things mm-hmm. that parents do. Yeah. And so it's, you know, hopefully creating um, a larger opportunity for empathy, you know, with the children as well. Because now next mm-hmm. time they do see a headline, you know, that's like vilifying someone or demonizing someone, it's like, oh, you know what, maybe there's more to that person than just this headline or just an arrest record or just, yeah. you know. 
like whatever. I, the saw, I saw that with my son. Like we were driving down the street, my 16 year old um, recently. And he was like, oh, that's so-and-so's house. He's in my class. And I was like, cool. And he was like, oh, his mom's is an OnlyFans model mom. And I was like, oh, cool. But he almost said it like as an afterthought, like, oh, that's the person's house. Mm-hmm. And also this happens. And the, the like ease with which like the non um like scandalous scandal tone tone and when she said that i was like actually the kids are doing better (laughs) (laughs) yeah i really feel like there's a great opportunity for that with the kids and like i'm really hopeful about it too because you Mm -hmm. know i mean always you know like all these systems um essentially that oppressed people are so intertwined, especially on systemic levels. And it's like, well, hopefully, you know, if we do start having kids, you know, saying like, oh, okay, my mom did this and she's still a really good mom and she still loves me and she is still, you know, deserving of rights and safety and legal protections and things like yeah. that. And, you know, maybe we can shift these, you know, some of these ideas and policies because obviously like, you know, sex workers decrim, right? This is what we're yeah. looking for is a full decrim model. But theoretically it could go even farther than that because even pushing for full decrim is, um, even though it's like relatively sex worker specific, it's still a sort of reimagining of criminal justice policy in this country, like as mm, it exists, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And so it's like, so it really is creating a conversation for these like larger policies. And then like, okay, well, you know, my mom didn't enjoy doing sex work, but she had to because she had to support us. Maybe that is the opportunity to create a larger conversation about why we need social networks and social like yeah. safety nets, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, is it like this is how people treated me when I was coming up because this is what my mom did? You know, maybe this is uh, how we start uh, addressing like anti-bullying campaigns. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's just yeah. such a, a potential to bring it to um, a larger scale, but like really using like compassion and empathy and humanity to lead the way instead of this same old like, oh, whores are bad. Go to prison. You know, shit yeah. I've been doing forever. Right. Um, so. Where can people follow you? On Twitter, which yes. they do. Yes. <laughs> Plug your Twitter and your podcast and your stuff. Uh, so I have a podcast called The Black Podcast with Wine Cellar Media. You can find me on Twitter at Uppity Negris, uh, two P's, two T's, two S's. And the podcast is uh, my partner and I mostly covering um, like news and politics, but from a black leftist perspective, because there's not enough black leftist podcasts out there. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was Thanks, great to talk Phoenix. to you again. Yes. Who misses free and affordable ads without the anti-sex work rhetoric? Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising to the sex work community. They also give back to organizations based in harm reduction, sex work, and education. Stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms, their platform, Trist.link, is a refreshing and well-needed change in both presentation and mission. It is free to join and open to all. In the words of an A4 user, from the policies to the language, to the advice and tips, it makes such a big difference to feel encouraged and supported instead of policed. Jet Setting Jasmine is a licensed psychotherapist and owner of Blue Pearl Therapy, a virtual mental health practice specializing in intimacy, post-injury, trauma, illness, and sex-positive parenting. Jasmine is co-owner, along with her partner, King Noir, of Royal Fetish Films, where the love of the arts film, and sex education are combined to produce content that stimulates and engages the audience to explore sexual boundaries. Hi, Jasmine. Thanks for joining us today. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh. Yeah. Can you introduce yourself? I would be happy to. So I'm Jet Setting Jasmine, also known as Jet Jasmine Johnson. It's funny. I leave with my performer name. And <laughs> <laughs> my, <laughs> um, 
I am the co-owner of Royal Fetish Films and Jet Setting Jasmine LLC with my partner, King Noir. And we offer a array of erotica, um, sex entertainment, live and also film. And it ranges from romance to BDSM and kink. And sometimes, most of the time, they intersect. Mm-hmm. Um, we are also the owners of the brand Porn and Parenting, which we'll be talking more about today. And when I am not producing adult content, I am a psychotherapist at Blue Pearl Therapy, where I'm the owner and lead therapist, providing kink-informed, sex work-informed, and sexual trauma-informed therapy. You have so much going on. Yeah, that's a lot of hats. <laughs> it is. It is. But you know what? They they overlap a lot. Yeah. You know, it's um, a lot of the same skill set, you know, mm-hmm. just that you have to, when you kind of think of like the administrative aspect of any business, like you have to be on social media, right? Pushing and, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know, um, making sure you're where your clients are. So those are like, you know, I spend half the day in one, <laughs> on one end of Twitter. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, from a a people skill, working with people, whether that is my colleagues on film or my clients, sex work or therapy, it takes active listening, compassion, empathy, patience, you know, good communication skills. So same skill set, just different outfits. Yeah, I love (laughs) that. Yeah, Yeah. I totally love that. So and you're a mom. (laughs) I am. I have a 21 year old daughter who is engaged. And that is the only thing that defines her right now in this moment in time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She is also a public speaker. I'm sharing her brand called Dope, which is Daughters of Porn Entertainers. Oh and my gosh, that. that's so cool. Yeah. So maybe she can come in and chat with you because we, we talk be amazing. Game about how great of parents we are, but it's something when the kids can come and, and, and either yeah. attend or Absolutely. Uh, and our second, second daughter star is 17. She is um, leaving a college. She just went on a college tour this weekend or really to finalize her housing. Yeah. And, um, she's a mover and a shaker. And then our three-year-old and one on the way. So great. <laughs> You're like me. I mean, I did two generations as well because I have a 20 year old, a 16 year old, and a five year old. Yes. Yeah. We definitely yeah. have that in common. I was yeah. so, so happy when I found that out. Like, I'm not yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. I know because it's kind of unusual and it's a very different experience. It's like raising kids in two totally different generations, like mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. that, like, it's just different. I don't know. It's it's cool because you you do get to experience motherhood. I, I mean, you get to experience it with every child, of course. Yeah. But in this way, you get to experience it twice as even two different people subsets of yourself, right? Yeah. Because exactly, I am not that nineteen year old mom. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel. I felt that too, and I felt like there was. Um, I had the experience of being like both a really young mom, where like now that I have an adult daughter, people are like, "You're her mom." And then I, I'm like, I was 38 when my second one was born, mm-hmm. and it's just so so different. Yeah. Yeah. It's also funny too, because when I would take him out and about when he was like a baby, people would be like, oh, wait till he's a teenager. And I was like, I have two of them at home. Like, I know about that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
Yeah. So we wanted to have you on to talk about what sex workers can teach people about parenting. And you, I actually didn't even know your daughter ran that you're kind yeah. of, you're great for this. So yeah. tell us a little yeah. bit about like how your, what your experience has been like being both like an out sex worker mm-hmm. and a mother and how you've like how, what that experience has been like for you and how you navigate it, navigate it. Yeah. Yeah. So the experience has been one, it's um, always been led by my family first. So mm-hmm what they're ready for, you know? And so as soon as I decided that I was going to be not even really defining myself specifically as a sex worker, I knew that I was going to start to put some racier content online. Right. So just yeah. like, you know, just like Instagram thought type. You yeah. Know, think that. yeah. 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 <laughs> not even, not necessarily sure where it was going to go, but I was um, going to ditch the this is what we did every weekend with my kids pictures and start putting some of like, this is what my body looks like at 30 now, you know? Um, And it was a discussion that I had with them. And I was, I was, and I have never asked my children permission about being in sex work or being sexy or embodying more of myself. It was a conversation of this is what I'm about to do. Yeah. And do you have any questions about it? Do you, um, is there any safeguards that maybe I'm not thinking of that I can support Mm. you with? Yeah. And that was really important to me because anytime you ask your kids at a certain age, at least, you know, I want to do something fun. They're going to go, no. Yeah. (laughs) No, mom, no. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, uh, where's the fun in it for them, right? Yeah. Yeah. but if you explain to them and help them have an understanding, then the things that they may be challenged with, and my daughter will tell you, you know, there were some times where people had found my Instagram or they had found my work on free tube sites and they attempted to tease her. And while mm-hmm. it did not feel good, you know, no matter what, no matter how prepared she was, no matter how in the know she was, she was able to defend herself against yeah. those comments, um, whether it was, Oh, that's strange. You shouldn't be on those sites. Aren't they for adults? You know, yeah. like in order yeah. for you to, <laughs> yeah. like, um, yeah. wow, you know, in order for you to see my mom, like you really had to do some digging. What else are you watching at 15? You know, yeah. so she was really prepped to like turn it back on them. Um, the other thing is also respecting like my middle child. She is just on a need to know basis. She doesn't really, um, she doesn't want to, she doesn't ask a, a lot of questions. She yeah. just kind of wants to know what, where don't I go on the internet? Like how do, you know, what, what room is your bag in that? So I can yeah. you know, steer clear of it. She's not curious in that way. And it's important that we respect that, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. about her. Um, my oldest daughter, who is also an adult, you know, I can say, Hey, I'm going to do a shoot. And she'll go, what kind of shoot is it photos? Is it video? Are you working with anyone? You know, my younger, or excuse my middle daughter wants to know, are you going to work? Are you getting paid? What time will you be home? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's really cool. That's an interesting difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so respecting them as individuals, you know, my, the three-year-old is three. So um, there's very little that he can comprehend about our work. Yeah. Um, but just being able to prepare him in the ways that we're doing that is taking a page from our own sex positive, um, our sex positive parenting approach, which is 
the more he's able to embrace his body, to understand mm-hmm. consent, to understand how people interact with each other, um, to have autonomy of his body yeah. and see, witness us having autonomy of us, of our own, then as he gets older and sees these are the decisions that they decided to make with their bodies. It will make sense to him. And again, it's like, they don't have to like it. They don't have to love it. They don't have to follow in our footsteps, but they do need to respect us. We are their parents, you know, and, um, and we're allowed to live this, live this life as sex workers. Yeah. That's amazing. That's a great answer. Tell us a little bit about your, um, porn and parenting. Yes, please. So, um, when we decided to be forward facing, you know, with, with everything, like I'm a therapist and a sex worker. He is a human rights activist, a musician and a sex worker. We have a family. Um, I, it was important for me that I was representing my full self in my work. And so it doesn't mean that you see my kids in my work, but I have no, I have no qualms about saying like, I am a mother that does porn because I, so many of the people that I'm at least either targeting or that are targeting me as a, as um, a performer, they want that representation. And, um, you know, I, so much in my early career was helping women feel like they can be sexy again. You can Mm. have, Mm -hmm. you know, you can, you can have it all. You can have good sex and you can have like good dinners with your family. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you can go to um, your PTA event or your your kids event on Saturday afternoon and Saturday night you can go to the swingers club like that's it's it's okay yeah. you can yeah. give yourself permission to do that and so in representing being a representative for women that um, had it all you know sexually and family wise it sort of traveled into our work as an entertainer mm-hmm. we're also a couple so people were seeing that like again, sort of like you have, but you have it all, like your partner agrees with what you do, you both work together. And then they would see us with our children. Um, that became blatantly obvious three years ago when I got pregnant. (laughs) Um, and we decided to, we decided to continue to shoot and continue to work. And, um, we were doing live shows. I was performing, I was flogging people. I was doing scenes, um, fully, fully pregnant mm-hmm. and that led to that conversations that we're having right now which is like how do you navigate this industry and still have children from two perspectives how do you keep your family safe because yeah. m- many of us are not safe as sex workers without disclosing that we have a family yeah, right right um and then also how do you how do you manage your relationship your um the demands of your work and also the demands of your family. Mm-hmm. And so, like I mentioned earlier, you know, we always prioritize our family and being able to be out and open about being a sex worker that has a family, it really does inform how I take work, um, boundaries around work. This mm-hmm. is an industry, like any industry in a capitalistic society is going to exploit you. You know, people yeah. say like, oh, we offer good work-life balance, right? Until yeah. you need days off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, um, and so I, so many people say that they come, they join this industry because the hours are flexible. Um, mm-hmm. You can pick and choose, you, you have a little bit more say of the type of work that you do. Um, you can, you know how it is, we can shoot content for like a week straight and then take like two to three weeks off or, you know, we yeah, can yeah. adjust. 
And so I really challenge this, this industry to prove that to me, right? So I don't have to pretend I don't have a family. I can say to directors, you know, like May, May is coming up and graduation is happening. Birthdays are happening and birth giving is happening. And I can say like, Hey, like, how can we schedule and work this around my family? Like, you know, I have one. Yeah. Um, We say that this industry is flexible and this is the pro of one of the benefits of being a, a sex worker. I'm going to put your company to the test and, yeah. and they do. Um, and I think, you know, it, it even helps us connect with other sex workers, just like just Jesse and I, we've had conversations on Twitter, you know, about being moms mm-hmm. and that allowing ourselves to be vulnerable, to share and for people to see us as full families. Yeah. Um, it's one, it gives us one more space of relatability to the public, which makes us one more inch safer than mm-hmm. we were, you know, before. And then two, it's, um, I just think the public, if they had to go to their job every single day and never talk about their family, yeah. they would understand how stifling that is, Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. how a huge part of you, whatever, I mean, whether it's your children, your pets, your lover, like whatever is important in your life, we'd love to share those type of things. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so being able to um, be a forward facing mom and, and be okay with talking about my family, I've had some amazing conversations with other performers. And it's like, oh, yeah. I'm dying to tell somebody that my three year old did blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it feels good to be able to hold that space. Yeah, I I made very similar decisions and I found like, I found that it was, I couldn't actually give much to my work until I could be myself in my work. Yeah. And, um, and that meant like, I mean, I have, I have three kids. Like I, that means I spent like a lot of time doing parenting stuff and dealing with my kids and, um, being with them and thinking about them and thinking about them in relationship to the work that I do. And so it was like, I found it almost impossible to like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that I, it's not impossible. And I know there are many, many reasons why sex working parents don't disclose the fact that their parents and don't share that part of themselves, like with their audiences and with their clients, with their fans. Mm -hmm. But like, I actually found that like I needed to, because like you have been a mom since I was very young and like, I don't actually have an identity outside of being not a mom, mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I don't even really re- hardly remember not being a mom mm-hmm. you know and so like it's it is who I am and it also means that like the people that uh, like my fan client base is like dads <laughs> you know? <laughs> because I mean there are a few that aren't yeah. but like for the most yeah. part like they I'm relatable in that way mm-hmm. like oh you get that like teenagers do these things and you know there's like I have to work around this schedule and now yeah. like I'm dropping off because it's Christmas time mm-hmm. and I'm busy with the kids or whatever and that's just uh I can't really imagine doing like a work that's so personal without bringing like that piece of myself well, you're, yeah you're yeah. sacrificing like authenticity in the name of mm-hmm. your work because like I even found that I don't have kids but I have my husband so like going through mm-hmm. work and like denying you have a person mm-hmm. like that gets really hard because like well what'd you do this week I'm like well I can't tell you like, you don't <laughs> yeah. want to hear about it you know so then right. I started wearing my ring online and the questions got answered like, yeah. oh, so, yeah. there you go like, you're that, that is for, for when we take it into our, our, our client, our work base, like that's the fantasy for some yeah. people. It's like, yeah. 
oh, like you're a mom that can, that is okay with doing those things. Oh, like I wish my, you know, my partner was like that. And this is where I meet you in fantasy world or you're someone's wife. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Why not? Yeah. I'm wondering if, so with your experience, because you're very involved in, like you said, forward facing with just the, the way that these things intersect with sex work and parenting, what skill sets do you think fundamentally that you developed in sex work translate into your parenting? Mm, yeah, that is so good. I definitely, it's twofold, right? So mm-hmm. I, I do see, I do see um, where I've taken parenting skills and brought them in yeah. the, into the workspace and vice versa. A lot of my work is um, revolves around kink and being a dominatrix. So, I mean, when I tell you, like, I have put people on the same punishments that I have my kids on at the same time. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> no internet for you. <laughs> Any of you. <laughs> you know. I know. Um, I did the same. I grounded somebody one time and I was like, and my real kids like grounded too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're like, this is no fun for any of us. <laughs> Do your chores. Um, so, you know, there's that there's patience. There is understanding like what is motivating behavior. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, even age regression, right? So having been through this experience of raising children and understanding when a submissive is acting like a brat, like <laughs> what is going on here? Yeah. You know, um, my clients that want to be littles or that want to be nurtured mm-hmm. in a particular way. Uh, I'm not fake. I mean, granted, I don't, I don't feel like I'm their mother and nurturing them, but I right. don't have to fake where to pull that. Yeah, pull that totally. from, you know, yeah. so that's, that's where it goes from parenting into the industry. And then vice versa, I think, I think I know that I have experienced um, such a wide array of people's behavior around sex, sexuality, um, mm-hmm. interpersonal skills that you don't see in vanilla spaces, because yeah. there is sort of a, for the most part, there's a decorum that we have to, that we have to follow when when society is watching, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then you get into sex work and people, you know, are like they're anonymous, they're behind their their screens, mm-hmm. um, or they feel that they can treat you a particular way because you are a sex worker. So we see this veil of humanity come off. Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah, lifted and you're like, oh shit, like people really are trash, right? Um, for a million different reasons. And then it starts to bring up something at least for me it did it was like well I want to inform my children what is out there right yeah um because you know especially having um children that are girls or or, you know women and girls uh, young ladies and girls um the way that I know some of it is perpetuated because I'm a sex worker but a larger part of it is is perpetuated because I'm a woman yeah the Mm -hmm. way you know that men interact with um our clients interact with us so you know, even being able to teach my children about the boundaries that I set as a sex worker with um, with clients that are not behaving the way that I would like them to, being able to say no thank you to whatever the amount of the tribute is out of respect for myself is reminds me of being a younger girl and being like, oh, well, he bought dinner. So, you know, yeah. and, and so I guess, you know, I got to like go along with this stupid whatever Um, yeah yeah and then also 
I have, you know, learned so much about body positivity, um, being in the industry and just not even what I see of other models, just seeing my own body fluctuate yeah. and still being admired yeah. for that, mm-hmm. you know, and just be like, oh, I thought that was a problematic area. That's like a money-making area. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, those, yeah. those kind of um, confidence-building things that I don't think you have to get in sex work. I do think that if you experience them, then you can sort a, um, if you experience them in, in a particular sort of like a, like a, a high speed way as a yeah. sex worker, then I'm able to, to translate those things to, to my children around confidence, around yeah. uh, beauty standards. How do we come to our, our own um, beauty standards? And so, yeah, there's definitely a lot of overlap consent and mm-hmm. Um, body autonomy, you know, just being able to say like, I don't do that type of work and, you know, go, you could go and ask someone else. And it's not a reflection of me being a bad person or being mean. It's just where my, where my standards for myself are and being able to have those exact same conversations and even use certain examples without getting explicit. I can say to my kids like, oh yeah, I was, I was going upstairs to work tonight. And then this client asks for something that I don't do. So I'm not going to do that. We can finish doing what we're doing. Yeah. And they'll be like, you know, they're like, oh, okay. But just hearing, yeah. oh, someone asked for something and they were willing to give you something for it. And you said, no, yeah. and you're fine. Hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much. And yes. where can people find you? Mm-hmm. Um, all, all our stuff is on jetsettingjasmine.com. And I am on all the social media platforms as Jet Set Jasmine. Awesome. Thank you so much. I love talking to you. Wonderful to meet you. Thank you. Likewise. Same here. Take care of both of you. All right. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of On the Horizon, a podcast about what's on the horizon for sex workers and how to navigate it. I'm Jesse Sage, and you can find me on Twitter at sapiotextual and at jessiesage.com. And I'm Melrose Michaels, and you can find me at Melrose Michaels on social and melrosemichaels.com. Just a reminder, if you are enjoying the podcast on Apple, please leave us a five-star rating and review because it really helps us to grow as a podcast and better share information from our guests to the sex work community as a whole. Last but not least, if you want to support the podcast, please go to anchor.fm forward slash horizon spelled W-H-O-R-I-Z-O-N to become a premium subscriber of On the Horizon, which unlocks two bonus episodes on the 8th and 22nd of each month with tons of extra exclusive footage from ourselves and our guests.